Hi and welcome to Training for Life Redeemed. I'm your host Dan. I'm here with my father David Jackson as always. We are continuing our series through the book of Matthew. We're coming up towards the end of Matthew. Today we're hitting chapter 26. We aren't even going to get through all of chapter 26 today. It's a long chapter, 75 verses. So we're just going to do verses 1 to 35 as we look into the events that kind of lead towards Jesus' arrest. He's not going to get arrested in the first chunk of this chapter, uh, but we're definitely starting off, Dad, with the leaders of the Sanhedrin or uh, something like that, (laughs) meeting in an upper room and talking about how they're going to arrest Jesus, how we're going to get rid of Jesus, basically. Yeah, Yeah, it's a secret meeting. It's, It's not in the Sanhedrin's offices up in the temple. It's in Caiaphas's house, which tells you something. It's in the middle of the night. It's clandestine. It's a big plot. Interesting, you say, you know, sort of like the Sanhedrin. There's no mention of the Pharisees being involved in this, mm. which I think is interesting because later on, the Pharisees, uh, or earlier on, the Pharisees warned Jesus that people were out to arrest him. Um, so you sort of get the impression that the Pharisees have an argument with him but it's actually the Sadducees and the scribes and the guys up at the Sanhedrin that want him dead. Um, so they're having this little midnight meeting Tuesday night. Yeah. How are we going to make this happen? But the Pharisees have actually had any authority to be able to have done anything, no. really, anyway. Like, no. yeah. My understanding is that they're, yeah, they, they like to think that they're holy and great and all that kind of stuff yeah. and that they know stuff, but they're not actually, they're, they're more. They have I no mean, they're, they're not lay people, but they're like lay people. Like they're, well, they're, it's like a minister. It's not so much the person who's in charge of the of the no. temple. This is like the chief priests, isn't it, these guys? These are the yeah. chief priests. These are the guys with the power. They're the guys who've collaborated with the Romans. Uh, they're all networked. They know everybody. Um, the Bible teachers, they're having all these theological arguments with Jesus, but it's the guys in power that want him dead. Mm. So Tuesday night. Big meeting at Caiaphas's house. Yeah, yeah. Secret plots in dark rooms. <laughs> and they're scared of the lamps. <laughs> yeah, and they're scared of the crowds. So we're going to have to do it after the feast. Well, the feast, the feast starts Thursday night, and so this is Passover time. There's about fifty thousand extra Jewish men in town. So this is, and every, when you've got fifty thousand extra Jewish men in town and a Roman garrison of three thousand. All you've got to do is strike a match and the whole country's going to blow up. So they're scared of riots, absolutely mm. terrified of riots, and for good reason. So we're going to wait. The feast starts Thursday night. It ends the following uh, Saturday week. So it's going to go for eight days, Friday, Saturday, and then a week. Um, so they're planning to do it, you know, Tuesday night, maybe in a fortnight. Yeah. That's not... The way it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but before we get into how it is going to work, we're going to go back in time, I guess. Here, Matthew's going to say now when Jesus was in Bethany. Yeah, uh, he's not in Bethany at the moment; he's in Jerusalem. That's right. Uh, so we're going back to. I mean, if um, if I go to like John's kind of timetable, it's kind of like after Lazarus's resurrection. Because I know Lazarus's resurrection yep. is very key for him being arrested and killed in John's yep. story. Uh, and that's happening in Bethany. That's where Mary and Martha are. Yep. Uh, it's out in Bethany. So we're going back, what, a week maybe? Well, not quite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, raising Lazarus probably happened a little over a week earlier. Um, but you also have, 
you got to picture there's 13 guys, including Jesus, and they're camping out. They're not all living at somebody's house. <laughs> so they're camping out, possibly camping out in this Garden of Gethsemane area. Um, that seems to be their hangout. And you've got to remember, they've got to camp out during the feast within the city limits of Jerusalem. And Bethany is just on the other side. So, yeah. But where do you go for a meal? <laughs> you go to somebody's house. In this case, Simon the leper has invited everybody over for dinner. Somehow or another, Mary, Martha and Lazarus are there too. Whether that's their house. Um, and I think it's Martha's cooking the meal. Mm. So he's flashing back to what I, as best I can figure out, is Saturday night. So we're, we're back Saturday night and... Matthew is trying is letting us know how this plot got together uh, with Judas and what set Judas off. Yeah, it's, yeah. So we have this ointment, the anointing of Jesus' feet, yeah. uh, there, and then you've moved forward into Judas's bargaining that's going to happen with the chief priests, right? He's, yeah, it's not with Pharisees; it's with chief priests, with the chief priests, <laughs> the people in charge, and he's going to. Uh, fulfill prophecy basically and sell Jesus out for a few pieces of silver. Absolutely. Uh, very similar to stuff that happens to what well, Joseph gets sold for silver and yep. someone else talks about the price of slaves being around that price yep. too at some point during well, then, during whatever it is, destructions of Jerusalem or something. I can't no, remember no, what it was. It was. Exodus. <laughs> Exodus. Exodus, the price of a slave is 30 pieces of there silver. There you go, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so Jesus is doing that and this is his... Plan. Why? Why is Judas gone to do that? Like, what's happened at this ointment time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's made Judas. Because, I mean, Jesus has known the whole time that he's going to betray yeah. him. But at what point does Judas know <laughs> that he's going to betray Jesus? Yeah, this is a real struggle for Judas. Um, we need to appreciate that he's been with Jesus for three years. Um, he, John tells us he was in charge of the money. Mm-hmm. So whatever financial support Jesus and the 12 had, Judas is the treasurer. Yeah, and stealing bits and pieces. John tells us he's been pilfering <laughs> the box. So he's looking at this kingdom of God through the eyes of a businessman. And he's basically saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump on the wagon of this guy. He's going to become the king. I'm going to be treasurer of the state of Israel. We're going to rule the world. This is great. I'm, I'm in for the win. And now, as we get to Passover week, and Jesus keeps telling us he's going to get killed, the doubts are are growing. This isn't actually going to work. I'm not going to be treasurer of the state of Israel. Jesus is leaving. He's going to get dead. He's going to rise from the dead. He's going to come to the Father in heaven. Most of that Judas probably doesn't understand. (laughs) Probably doesn't understand, but he's getting the hint this isn't working. And so we go to this dinner at Simon the leper's house, and Mary takes a, a jar of nard worth 300 days' pay. Yeah, so pretty much a year's wage. Pretty much a year's wage. And in one go, she pours it on his head and on his feet, which is what you do when you welcome a guest into your house. You anoint not with 300 days' pay <laughs> worth of perfume, yeah, though. No, with olive oil. <laughs> yeah, with something less valuable than that. Um, so she's she's just gone right over the top. And from what I can see, um, this looks like her dowry. 
uh, it was traditional that you would a father would give a woman uh, a year's worth of money in something portable that she could carry with us if she had to run away. So if a husband beat her up or, you know, rejected her or divorced her, she can just go to the box, pick up her year's money, and she's safe. Mm. Fathers want that for their daughters because you never know what husbands are going to do. So she takes the whole lot and just pours it over Jesus. Jesus says, she's done that to prepare me for my burial. Mm. Judas looks at that and says, I'm not making any money out of this deal. <laughs> you know, this is this is not going to work. <laughs> right. So he goes and gets 30 pieces of silver instead. <laughs> right. So the 30 pieces of silver are worth 120 days' work. Yeah. So basically he's going to get half of what she just poured on his head uh, to betray him. But that's all he can rescue out of his three years with Jesus. Yeah. So then with the next story, then we're moving up to the last p- Passover that's going to happen here. Yeah. So we, we have a time market here of now to introduce so the verse. Yeah. So, so we're back, we've to, gone, tu- back to yeah. Tuesday night. When he was in Bethany and now when he's when yeah. he's here, uh, we have, yeah, this is going to be the, it says the last Passover. It's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's Passover. <laughs> so I'm just reading your heading there. I'm just like, yeah. in your Bible, it's not a great heading. Not a great heading. No. <laughs> just getting distracted though, aren't I? Uh, so we have Passover meal and Passover's going to lead into the Lord's Supper. Uh, for us today, yeah. Yep. Uh, why? What's so significant here? I mean, towards the end of it, there's this great significant thing that's going to happen, which I think is fantastic. But we'll get to that in a minute. Why is it significant that this is all going to happen on Passover night? Even like, yeah. why? Like, why does he pick today? Like, because Jesus is going to get this happening, right? So they're planning it to be on Tuesday in a fortnight's time. Jesus is like, no, it's meant to be today. Like, it's going yeah. to happen. <laughs> Jesus is in total control. So he's going to set the fire the starting gun and launch this thing. So in the middle of the, the Last Supper, which we'll get to in a minute, Judas is going to find out that Jesus knows that he's been talking to the Sanhedrin guys. Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him. And Judas's reaction to that is, I really don't have another week and a bit to wait. <laughs> right? If this is going to work, it's going to have to happen now before the other 12 disciples, 11 disciples find out it's me and they beat the tripe out of me. Mm. So in the middle of the meal, or at the beginning of the meal, when Jesus says, one of you will betray me, and Judas says, not me, and Jesus says, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you said it. Mm. <laughs> and that's the trigger. Judas is out of there, dashes off, and everybody thinks, oh, yeah, you know, it's Passover, he's distributing food to the poor, because that's what you do on Passover. Um, but he's doing something else. So does that then mean, like, when Jesus is saying it, does everyone miss the conversation that he has with Judas? Like, how do they not get, like, if Jesus is going, not me, and Jesus says, yes, it's you, how do they then not go, it's you? (laughs) You get the impression there's 13 guys around a table, and he makes this outrageous statement, one of you is going to hand me over, and one by one they they come to him and they say, uh, it couldn't be me. Mm. it's sort of a question. It couldn't be me, could it? Um, and when Judas asks the question, he says, you said it. Now, the other guys probably didn't hear that. Okay. Um, uh, John probably did because he was leaning on right Jesus' next, yeah. chest. He's right <laughs> next to him. And he's sort of looking at this going, what? Because, I mean, nobody knows the, the whole picture, mm. only Jesus. 
So off he goes. Um, what's really interesting about this whole exercise, Friday is Passover. This is Thursday night. So Thursday night is technically Friday. Yep. But you wouldn't eat the Passover lamb till Friday night. Yep. And John reminds us of that. So what you have here is a Passover meal the night before Passover meal. Mm. <laughs> and the reason is that at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, they kill the Passover lambs. And by 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, Jesus is going to be dead because he is the Passover lamb. So he says, you know, I'm anxious to eat this meal with you. This is the last time I will drink the cup. Uh, I will not taste the fruit of the vine uh, until I taste it anew in my father's kingdom. So we're going to do a pre-Passover because I won't be here tomorrow night. Mm. Um, they still don't get that. Yeah. But he's fired the starting gun and Judas is off. <laughs> <laughs> so when, with Judas off, now it's time to do the Passover, the real meaningful part of the Passover. Um, and that's the head of the table has to tell the Passover story. Mm. And when he tells that story, he's supposed to explain all the symbols. So, you know, we're going to drink bitter, eat bitter herbs. Yeah, reminding you of slavery. <laughs> reminding you of slavery. We've got unleavened bread. It's the bread of suffering. Yeah. Uh, it's actually called that in the Old Testament. Um, it's also the unleavened bread symbolises new beginning. So you clean out all the yeast on Thursday. Yeah. And don't think of yeast. This is the thing I don't – people always go, today when you make bread, you buy yeast and it's in the freezer and you scoop it out. Yeah. But they're talking about – like if you make sourdough ever or just research how you do yeah. sourdough, it's a starter. Like it's – they're not just chucking out their packet of yeast that they've been no, storing no, in their no, fridge. No. They've been fermenting this starter for – the last, Generations. Well, well, since the last Passover, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in Egypt, it was generations. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the, yeah. today you can go, you go to the best sourdough making places in the world, and they're like, oh yeah, this starter's been going for hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah, so they're throwing out starters. Like it's, yeah. they've got you know jars or bowls that they're using that they've got to get rid of, and so it is. It's this new start because you think you really make that again from fresh. You yeah. know, mix your water and your flour, let it there, sit there. You can't make. No. Proper bread in, for another week. In, <laughs> the, in, in the original setting of the Exodus, when a, when a woman got married, her mother would take a lump of sourdough dough and hand it to her daughter on her wedding day so that tomorrow morning she could make bread for her husband. So if you clean all of that out, you've left all of that culture, that yep. yeast culture, behind because you're going to start a new culture. Yeah. And that's the symbolism of unleavened bread. When I come to Christ, I leave my old life behind and I take on a new life. I have a new identity. I am no longer a sinner. I'm a saint. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, that changes. I've got to leave my old habits behind and put on a new culture. And that's all symbolized in this unleavened bread. Um, mind you, it's also good bread for camping because it doesn't <laughs> go so moldy. Um, so it's it's this bread of suffering, which means we're we've been expelled to go and make a new start. Yeah. So we've done the cup. Oh, well, the well, cup. we did the bitter herbs. We've done the the bread. We got to do the cup. That's yeah. All well, left. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you look at that's that that's the symbolism. Jesus changes the symbolism now. He says, "I'm going to take one slice of bread." Well, this is um, this is like Indian roti. Yeah. Okay, it's flatbread. It's not naan. It's not lab bread because that's all yeast. Yes, that's right. It's D- just... definitely yeast in lab bread. All yeah. those people who think it doesn't have yeast. Yeah. <laughs> so you're taking a bit of roti, and you're breaking it off and using it like a dip. And he takes that and he says, "I." Take of this, all of you, because this is my body. You have a share in my body. And Paul then explains, one loaf, one body, we who are many are one in Christ. Mm. So we've changed the symbolism from, um, you know, the bread of suffering to being, this reminds you that we are many, but we are one. And Jesus says, and many of the people who are going to eat this feast aren't here. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more people going to join this Loaf. This is body there still of is there still an element of suffering with it? Like Jesus, when he does it, he says, "This is my body that is broken for you." Yeah. Um, no, he doesn't say that. Doesn't say that. No, the bread's broken. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> it a, just gets said every week at any service. It does, and yet, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you raised that. The text says, "This is my body, which is for you," and somehow, because he broke the bread. People will celebrate the Lord's Supper and say, which is broken for you. Yeah. The The Bible says his body wasn't broken. No, it's very true. I'm lucky for Bible verse after Psalm Bible 22. Verse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, not one bone of his body was broken. The per- point being, he is the perfect, undamaged sacrifice. Yeah. So he didn't get smashed. Uh, he just got dead. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the cup, one cup. Actually, I don't know how <laughs> our culture won't tolerate this, but you take a cup of wine and everybody takes a sip out of the same cup. Mm. The symbolism is this is the blood that was shed to pay for your sins. You get a share. In actual fact, what he's doing uh, when we get to Gethsemane, you have this picture of the cup of the wine of the wrath of God, drink it and you die. Yeah, You're drinking all of your guilt and all of the judgment. Um, so that's the cup of the wine of the wrath of God. And Jesus takes your cup of the wine of the wrath of God and he hands you his cup, which is the cup of blessing. Yeah. And it's called that. And here you have a share in the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, And you share that because you're sitting at the king's table as the king's forever family. And what made you that is that you, you are now because of what Jesus did, forgiven, restored, and adopted. Yeah. Okay, now, the thing I like at the end of the Passover, Lord, yeah. something thing that happens is we then have Jesus, like it clearly talks about the fact that he's the firstborn child is about to walk outside, <laughs> right, going into the night. Uh, and if you, know, if you know Exodus, yeah. if it's Passover, you're dead, right? You're the firstborn son, you're not under the blood. You're, you you're don't dead. go outside. And so there's this nice bit of symbolism there where as he's leaving the house uh, as the firstborn, leading all of his people down there. And we have, you know, Peter gets confronted by Jesus about the fact he's going to deny yep. Jesus. And he's like, no, I will never do that. I will never do that. Uh, he's, he's very adamant about this. And I think, you know, he, he's definitely being honest. Like he's not he's not lying going, you know, he doesn't think that he's, he will do it, but I'm just going to say I'm not, right? He's, no, no, no. He's, he's passionate. passionate. He loves Jesus a lot, I think. Yep. It's very clear throughout. But, uh, yeah, he, he clearly doesn't quite have – he's not exactly a courageous 
bloke I, at the end. At I, the end. I actually, I actually, or maybe he's just not sure what to do. I actually think Peter is, he's got a different model of courage. So when we get to Gethsemane... He's going to slice the guy's ear He's off. going to pull his sword out and take on a, you know, a yeah. whole battalion of whatever troops that came out here to arrest Jesus. He, he, he is a courageous man and he's true to his word. I'll die for you. There's me and my one sword and there's 500 yeah. of them. Who cares? You know, nobody's touching my Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, just shut up and put it away. <laughs> yeah. You guys go. <laughs> um, I'm the one that's dying, okay? Uh, and of that, for Peter and everybody, that's just totally confusing. Yeah. Uh, so the denial then, I mean, we're not up to the denial, but no, it's going to come. But That's a different. I guess uh, we'll talk about that later. I'll talk, I'll, we'll, yeah. do, we'll do it next week. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's Peter. He's He's just. He's got his passion, he, he, whatever he believes and understands, he's going to go with because Jesus is all of what it's about. Um, you, you just got to thank God he put Peter in the 12. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. We are halfway through Chapter 26. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to make sure you come and you know, finish this series off with us as we're going through Matthew, make sure you hit the subscribe button and of all the things that I forgot to mention, if you want to grab the study notes for this chapter, uh, head over to trainingforliferedeem.com slash 83 and you can get your study notes there. Thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to continuing to chat through Matthew 26 next week and hopefully I won't look so silly. <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> <laughs>